Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So we know more this afternoon about this uh, national security investigation, which was apparently a considerable investigation that resulted in an arrest in Kingston, Ontario, and a charge laid against, number of charges laid against a young offender, knowingly facilitating a terrorist activity, counseling a person to deliver, place, discharge, or detonate an explosive with intent to cause death or serious bodily injury. A second individual, an adult, was arrested but has not been charged. Now, the RCMP held a news conference uh, just about an hour and a half ago uh, to update this investigation. Very typical of these RCMP news conferences uh, that they deflect many questions. There's a lot of different ways for them to say no comment or we can't speak about that. Uh, But here's a little bit more uh, in the explanation around the arrest and charges. I am now in a position to confirm a few details with you. Earlier today, the RCMP charged one young person following with the following criminal code offenses. Knowingly facilitating a terrorist activity contrary to section 83.19 of the criminal code and counseling a person to deliver, place, discharge, or detonate an explosive with the intent to cause death or serious bodily injury contrary to section 431.2 of the criminal code which offense was not committed and did thereby commit an offense contrary to section 464A of the criminal code. No further details will be provided due to the age of the individual. A second individual, an adult male, has also been arrested. To give some background, the RCMP received credible information of a potential terrorist threat in late December 2018. We immediately started a robust national security criminal investigation and the RCMP was able to gather sufficient evidence for the Attorney General to approve laying Section 83.19 charges against the individual. As I alluded earlier, we are mindful of the impacts that the arrests have on, a, on the community. I would also like to once again assure you the RCMP took immediate, took, immediately took the necessary steps to ensure public safety. While these are significant charges, there was no imminent threat to the public or to infrastructure. All right, so that from the RCMP today. I want to bring into the conversation uh, someone who knows a thing or two about these investigations. Uh, in fact, uh, he was undercover uh, and helped disrupt uh, the so-called Toronto 18 plot. Uh, Mubin Sheikh uh, is an expert on radicalization and counterterrorism. Uh, Mubin, thank you so much for joining us here today. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me. All right. Well, it, it appears as though they were talking about what was essentially an attempt to, to build and detonate uh, an IED. Is, is that what it sounds like to you? Yeah, that's certainly the charge. Um, the young offender, it seems, was uh, building the IED. The police made it very clear in their press release that it had uh, precursor chemicals. Uh, it, it Basically, they stopped short of saying he had a fully functioning bomb, uh, which, of course, reminds us that, you know, we shouldn't exactly be waiting until, you know, an offender makes uh, a working bomb before we, we act on it. So that, that seems to be uh, what's been playing out here right now. Right, and that's the challenge in these investigations is gathering enough evidence to, to be able to, to press charges and make those charges stick in court, but not letting the plot go so far uh, that, that people are put in danger. Exactly. And, I mean, this is, uh, you know, the, the RCMP were very clear about this thing. Uh, you know, the public in no time 
was the public in any danger. Uh, it was the same thing in the Toronto case and in other cases uh, where, you know, individuals had made IEDs or thought they had made working IEDs. In one case, actually, the police, uh, it was an Ottawa case, where the police actually switched the detonators and, and rendered it inert that way. Uh, so there are various ways in which they can do that, rendering the, the IED inert and, and uh, not dangerous. Um, and, and, of course, this, this was just another way for them to do it. In this particular case, it was just not letting the individual, you know, put the materials together to actually uh, get to that point. Do we have any idea what prompted this investigation? I mean, sometimes there's there's good fortune involved in, in stumbling across these things. Other times, perhaps there, there's an informant or someone who has tipped off police. Do, do we know at all? In this particular case, we know that the, it was an FBI-driven investigation. Uh, it seems that the, the young offender was online making comments, um, you know, maybe in touch with individuals who are being monitored, and that's how he came to the attention of the FBI. Of course, uh, the U.S., U.K., Canadian, other authorities are scouring social media looking for these kinds of conversations uh, and these kinds of plots, and this is just yet another example. Uh, this is the same thing that happened with the Aaron Driver case. Uh, you know, this was a guy who was, uh, you know, they charged him, they put him on a peace bond, and even while he was on the peace bond, he was out, you know, he actually made a working improvised explosive device. And he released a video online, which the FBI got, uh, and recognized that this is a Canadian accent, so shot it back over to the RCMP and said, hey, wait a second, that sounds like Aaron Driver, where the hell is that guy? And then, so, of course, uh, when they when they went to see where he was, uh, he was literally in a taxi ready to go and detonate his bomb. Um, so so this is just another case of the FBI finding uh, that plot and, and kicking it over to the, to the uh, RCMP. Obviously, given that it's a young offender, there's a lot we don't know about this individual and a lot of things we probably will never know about this individual. But uh, it, it does appear as though we've got a, a story here of, of radicalization, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, this, this kid, the young offender, was uh, in Kuwait, remember, from 2008 to 2017. We're hearing a lot about he's a Syrian refugee or there's a Syrian refugee. We don't know anything about the young offender. Uh, the adult who was arrested but not charged, he was a quote-unquote Syrian refugee. He lived in Kuwait from 2008 to 2017. So I really wouldn't put him in the category of what I call a, a freshie from Syria. Uh, but, of course, as soon as we hear Syrian refugee implicated in a terrorist plot, of course, uh, we think the worst thing. But we don't know anything about the young offender, of course, because uh, because the nature of his age and the offense, no, no other information is going to be released. Right, and it, it, it seems like, uh, it, it seems strange, right, that, okay, we've arrested somebody, but we're not charging this individual. W- what are we supposed to take from that? Yeah, it, it gets tricky for the for the police as well because if you do bring them under a peace bond and they're you know now in before the court, it's hands off now, right? The, the police can't do anything, the authorities can't do anything. So it actually makes sense that if you want to keep an eye on the person and you want to continue an investigation, you just won't charge them at this time. The police, of course, reserve the right to lay charges at any other time in the future. I mean, you mentioned the refugee angle, and obviously there's a lot of politics uh, around the refugee debate and, you know, people who are concerned about uh, the individuals we're letting in. Uh, this is certainly going to be seized upon, I think, by, by some Mubim, but should this really impact the debate or how should it impact the debate? Yeah, unfortunately, this is, uh, you know, people who think like that, you know, it, I don't know what I don't know what else can be done for them. 
I mean, you have to look everything at everything in context, right? We've taken in over probably close to 30,000 Syrian refugees. A handful have been implicated in a number of criminal offenses. Uh, the Marissa Shen murder, of course. Uh, there have been at least one sexual assault, uh, a couple of other cases, you know, but relatively small cases. And again, if you're going to look at it through the prism of percentages, that's like a fraction of a percent. But people then say, well, you know, there should be zero. But we, why don't we say there should be zero percent when it comes to other crimes, right? Like murder, theft, fraud, automobile accidents, train accidents. So if people have to realize that you kind of, you have to take a step back and, and look at the entire context and then make your conclusions. So what are you going to be watching for in the coming days here? I mean, does it sound like there's there's more to come on this investigation? They, it didn't sound as though they were looking for anybody else necessarily, but uh, what, what are some of the outstanding questions here? Yeah, I don't think there are. There are no more arrests coming. I mean, once you arrest and, and the media is all over it, any other person you might be thinking of arresting will you know disappear or go under or go dark or whatever. But I don't think there's anything more to come out of it. It will go quiet pretty quickly because uh, the individual is a young offender. That's just the way our, our system works. We we give them every single benefit of the doubt possible. Uh, the only question really that, that I ask is that, I mean, did it really warrant uh, flying a plane around for hours on end, uh, you know, for, for a young offender who was basically trash-talking on the Internet and went ahead and started to make bombs? I'm just curious as to why that, that particular tactic happened. I mean, did they not have mobile surveillance? You know, was the, was the plane used for... Uh, electronic warfare, like maybe to intercept communications or whatever. I, I, I don't know about that, but it just seems like it was a little bit, a little bit too much. Uh, but again, uh, I'm just that's just one question that's still hanging in my head. Yeah. But otherwise, operationally, everything, everything's been taken care of. And, and if anything, it does show that U.S., Canada, Britain, all these security agencies work hand in glove when it comes to this sort of stuff. They find out information somewhere else, they will immediately let our authorities know. And our people will do exactly what they're trained to do. It's interesting. You mentioned that plane, and there'd been some some stories in in the local news in recent days about this mysterious plane that was uh, showing up over Kingston. Do you think that forced the hand of of the RCMP in in moving forward and announcing these charges? I don't know. I don't know. They didn't confirm anything to that effect, and um, they did say that they have multiple uh, aircraft that can you know you know uh, do what they need for it to do. Uh, but it does kind of uh, it kind of blows their ability to use that plane again. Or the next time a low flying plane of that sort is seen, people will immediately and automatically think it's an RCMP surveillance plane. And if the criminals uh, who are under investigation are also thinking the same thing, well, then they, that plane is of no use to you anymore. So maybe they just need better equipment now rather than these low flying loud planes. Yeah, no kidding, uh, Mubin. Always appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Most welcome. Have a good All day. All right, you too. Uh, that is Mubin Sheikh, uh, expert on radicalization and counterterrorism. Some thoughts from him on this investigation and the resulting charges announced today. 403-974-8255 is our number. we got a lot more to get to today. We are back with more right after this. I can't speak to the specific ideology. What I can say is the the attack plan, uh, the individual identified and expressed capacity and capability and intent. Uh, but to specific ideologies, I, I can't comment on that. Well, just uh, more of the RCMP not commenting. Uh, again, a pretty uh, fundamental question in all of this. What motivated this plot?
What was behind all of this? And it's not something they're able to comment on. Uh, Now, we mentioned this plane, which seems like an awfully conspicuous way of conducting an investigation like this. To the point where people in Kingston are wondering, what is the deal with this plane that we just keep seeing flying over our city? Right. And look, if if other people are noticing, isn't it possible that the subject of your investigation is going to to notice? So that that strikes me as interesting. Here's the RCMP of the news conference today. Superintendent Peter uh, Lambertucci confirming that, in fact, that was a part of the investigation. The airplane was one of our Pilatus aircraft, uh, one of a number in our fleet. It's used for any number of uh, resource purposes. In this case, I can say that it was used for the preservation of public safety and risk mitigation strategies in the area of Kingston. Can you explain what that means? So the aerial support of the plane allows us uh, surveillance capabilities uh, from the air uh, to ensure that uh, we are able to maintain uh, public safety and and mitigate risk uh, surrounding certain addresses, areas of concern. Okay, that doesn't really explain much either. Um, the, the aspect of this that we talked about with uh, Mubin Sheikh, the fact that at least this adult who was charged, well, arrested but not charged, was from a family uh, that had come to Canada as Syrian refugees, even though they'd been in Kuwait for a number of years. So one of the houses raided belonged to uh, this refugee family. Uh, the family was sponsored by four different churches. Uh, Stuart Bell from Global News spoke with Bronek Korczynski, who was uh, in charge of the church sponsorship of the family and knows the family quite well. Must be surprising to you, is it? Uh, did you have a chance to meet uh, him? This, this has come as a total shock. Yeah. Uh, not just to me, but to some of the other members of the group uh, with whom I've spoken in the last uh, you know, number of hours mm-hmm. since last evening. How come? Yeah. What, why, why is it shocking to you? It's just so completely beyond anything we've experienced with the family. This is a group of people who have expressed nothing but gratitude for uh, our assistance and to Canada for being able to uh, uh, welcome them. Uh, Their priority has been uh, to build a new life here. I know Hussam has been uh, working hard to upgrade his his high school marks so he could get into university. Everything was forward, future-looking, hope-filled. Um, nothing would suggest that anything like this. And, and again, we don't know the facts. I don't know the facts yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's still very uh, early. Uh, but, I mean, sometimes yeah. um, young people in particular come from conflict zones and they, uh, you know, they, they can be a bit traumatized by it. And that could express itself in various ways. I mean, did you detect any of that in, in the young man? Well, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not going to pass on any uh, psychological profiles of yeah. the family. But, I, I mean, he seemed to be okay? I mean, he didn't seem to be a, a concern that, you know, he might go in this direction? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we should know more um, 
this afternoon. I think the the Mounties are planning some kind of a news conference around one or so. Yeah, I'm, and I'm I'm waiting for that too to get the information. And uh, uh, you know, I have been in contact with with uh, the father, um, and you know, I know right now they're just their heads are spinning. So uh, yeah, I bet. I'm I'm hoping to have a face to face with him, if not today, uh, soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thank I'm you. sorry I can't be more helpful, but I mean, at, at this point, it's uh, um, you know, it's just a lot of speculation. Yeah. No, I know. That's that's why we're trying to sort of figure out what's going on because the yeah, the RCMP yeah, do these no, things. They uh, they you know they send a huge you know, armed presence to an area, and then they don't say anything for for 20 hours and leave the vacuum open to speculation so well yeah and, uh, and i appreciate that i mean i'm my head is uh is going all over the place as much as anyone's and uh uh you know to think that this family you know with whom i've shared meals and you know so many other occasions uh it, it just comes kind of a, a complete shock mm-hmm. All right, so there you go. Some some comments from uh, Bronick uh, Korczynski in uh, Kingston, uh, who oversaw the effort by four churches to uh, sponsor this family uh, to come over as refugees. And so the 20-year-old, who was arrested but not charged, is a member of that family. So uh, everyone in the community kind of shocked about all of that, but at the same time, not sure what to make of it. A lot of questions here, a lot of questions. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.